Welcome to Aging is Living, a podcast brought to you by Central Plains Area Agency on Aging, which highlights topics and people who promote purposeful living and positive aging. My name is Joe Samaniego. And I'm Amy Arnold. Today we are talking about National Caregiver Month. We have two guests on our podcast. The first is Anne. She is a caregiver of a loved one, and she has agreed to come talk to us about her unique experience as a caregiver. We also have Rhonda Custer, who is the Central Plains Area Agency on Aging's Caregiver Program Manager. And she is going to tell us just some great information about how we as caregivers can help ourselves. Rhonda, we'll start with you. Um, November is National Caregiver Month. Can you tell us a little bit about that? The National Family Caregiver Month was implemented by the previous president, Bill Clinton. The impact of caregiving became such that in 1994, President Clinton saw the need to help support informal caregivers with their loved ones. So that's pretty much how it started, and it has literally grown by leaps and bounds. And thank you for being here. Now, you are a caregiver. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself and about your caregiver story? I don't know what to tell about myself, (laughs) except I was born here, raised here, and uh, I would say luckily, as as far as caregiving my family member, we grew up in the same household. We like, we both like music. Uh, we both like like to watch animal videos, and uh, and I think we get each other's humor. So that's very nice. And uh, the journey, caregiving journey, um, I just noticed. I'm not sure exactly when it was. Not remembering things, and. Um, was, I don't know the right word to use, uh, maybe believing as that in the room, besides the people that were really there, or really, yeah, there were other people. Mm-hmm. And uh, also some trouble understanding and some trouble expressing themselves. And that has all progressed. Um, I would say as time goes by, I mean, I was, I would, oh, also the medication. First, I started out calling to remind, you know, take your morning medication. No, not that one, the other one, (laughs) over the phone, you know. So I do have uh, some other caregiver help now, I hope, to get more as I am getting more afraid as time goes on. That's why I said this morning was interesting because the person wanted to do something, ingest something that would (laughs) produce Mm -hmm. like an LSD trip or something like that. Mm -hmm. And uh, became very angry when I said, when I looked, I said, I'll Google it to make sure. Then I told the other person, and she became angry. So, um, but I will say the positive part for me is that I get an opportunity 
to be a better person and um, the crazier I feel you know like uh, the past week I've started saying don't leave my family member in the dark no matter how upset I am uh, don't leave them in the dark so that's all I got Okay. <laughs> so I'm a caretaker too. Um, my dad is 82 and he has dementia. And it is incredibly hard to watch them struggle with things. And I absolutely understand the anger element because they're losing their independence, but you have to do what's right for them. And they don't understand that sometimes, you know, whether it's dementia or any other illness. Just the loss of that independence is so hard. Um, how do you balance that, do you think, with your loved one? How do you tread that line between telling them what to do and not telling them what to do, if that makes any sense? It makes perfect sense. <laughs> uh... I would say for me it's been difficult uh, because I am older than the person that I caregive for and I have always been a bossy, <laughs> that's the polite way of saying what I do, the bossy person. Uh, and I just, for before I got to don't leave my person in the dark, my saying was, this is their life, and uh, just, I said that a lot, and I, I certainly attempt not to control, but in the, you know, well, the example I gave earlier, uh, the, the dangerous ingestion or something, I have to, to say something and control that. Yep. Uh, but everything else is really, I try and I succeed sometimes, but not always, uh, to say whatever whatever you want to do will be good. That's a good way of handling it, yeah. Mm. So what keeps you going as a caregiver? Because I love my person. Uh, in my case, I love her more than anyone in the world. And uh, that does make a difference. It really does. I mean, I, I, I definitely try to take a time out. So if I feel like I'm going to explode, I'd, I'll say, well, I need to go to my bedroom and I'm very tired. In fact, I often am very tired, but. I think I'll lay down for whatever, 30 minutes, three hours. <laughs> Take a step back. <laughs> if I fall asleep. Sure. But, uh, or I just, this morning I was sitting at the table, the, like the table we sit around. And I just stayed there and I don't know what I started reading or listening to some music, stress reducing music. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Stuff like that. I think that oftentimes caregivers who are 
informal caregivers, those who care for their loved ones, try to put the other one in front of themselves. And I think Rhonda probably has a good view of this from her point over the caregiver program. Would you say that's probably right, Rhonda? Absolutely. Um, the tendency is always to take a back seat because we want to provide the best care to our loved ones. And the insight that is hard to keep present for us is that I'm caring for an adult who, if they're dealing with dementia or Alzheimer's, is childlike. So you see the physicality of the adult, but trying to navigate between being a parent to that adult and or being a sibling or the child in the posture of hierarchy. And, and it's compromised because, mm, what do I do? You know, so you try to lead with keeping that other person in mind, trying to lead with, okay, I know this is not them. This is symptoms of what they're going through. But because I see the stature of the individual, it's hard to keep the invisible present because of the visible presence of the individual. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Yes. Because it's very challenging, you know, and as I was listening to the two of you, all I could hear was, <laughs> as, as parents of younger children would say, all right, it's time for a timeout. And that's okay. <laughs> because that's what you said, Ian. You took your time out. You took the bull by the horns and saying, okay, my tank has reached a level of empty that I need to feed back into me. And a lot of times that's, that means removing yourself and saying, okay, I need to breathe. As much as I love my loved one, I need to take a step back because I'm starting to feel challenged and pressured. And so I don't ever want to put myself in a position where I no longer see the person that I'm caring for. And I, I, I literally raise the bar of their actions. And so I'm reacting to their actions versus understanding, okay, if at all possible, they would try to circumvent what they're doing. But a lot of times they don't have the wherewithal of knowing. So um, yes, caregivers oftentimes put their put the needs of the loved one before their own, and it, it is challenging because you never want to feel guilty for not. But then that's where caregivers put themselves so far back on a back burner that they lose sight of their own health, their own wellness. They're sleep deprived. Eating is second nature because you're just trying to fit it all in. Because again, especially for individuals of dementia and Alzheimer's, they're on. 
they're on is on all the time. Mm -hmm. So where do you find your fit? So, yeah, it's it's a challenge. It, it is a challenge. I absolutely agree. What do you usually recommend caregivers do to take that time out? So before, number one, acknowledge. Acknowledge the fact that you are not superhuman. You don't have all the answers. You're limited not only in what your field of scope in your mind is, you're limited in your abilities to assist them and really be okay with that because that's the charge that we really have with ourselves is that I should be able to do this and I, I, I have to do. But the reality is that I'm limited. So acknowledgement, you know, and then realize that there are people out there that want to help we have family that, you know, we don't want to share because we don't want to burden anyone else. But the way we need assistance may not look like the way that they can assist us. So with that, that's where we reach out and say, okay, well, you know, I'm too tired to make a meal. Now, should you have to say that? No, because they know your hands are full. Hopefully people will have enough insight to say, you know what, Amy, I'm bringing over your family some meal prep that you can that go into the freezer and you can pull them out as you need them. And I have a day spa. I'm coming over to relieve you of your duties and you just spend the day doing whatever. That may be your spa day, but it doesn't necessarily mean you're going to the spa. Mm -hmm. It's self-care, literally. And so those are just a couple of things that just informal support can lend to people. But, of course, we also have formal support within the community. We have Central Plains Area Agency on Aging that provides the Family Caregiver Support Program with in-home services. They have minimal time that they can be in the home, but they can help with the bathing and the dressing, the meal prep, and things like that for your loved one. Also respite. Respite is literally a companion program, you know, to where you can step away. And you made mention of your cat. Just being able to, you know, pets can be companions, not only for you, but your loved ones. Mm -hmm. And they find the solace of comfort. When you're feeling anxiety, that pet is there just to make everything all right. So, with the caregiver program, we utilize all means. We utilize individual counseling, group counseling for caregivers. We have educational programs that we have set up. We have, uh, I, I've shared with a couple of people, I call it the baby uh, program that we have on our website called Get Set Up. I love the fact that it articulates to every individual how to begin with your smartphones and, and your tablets and things like that once you get the, the foundational knowledge. And then we have Truolta, specifically geared for caregivers to help within the home 24-7 so that they do not have to go to the website at this time of the day. But when your loved one is up and about, 
two, three o'clock in the morning and you're trying to figure out the sundowners thing and being able to access Truolta to be able to share about sundowners, being able to share about oral hygiene, being able to share about how to transfer stroke patients' vision. It has a multiplicity of different resources and aids in that website to help us navigate at-home care with our loved ones. I think I'm exhausted. (laughs) (laughs) That was great. Um, So you mentioned, Rhonda, that a lot of it comes with uh, taking time to take care of yourself in order to take care of the ones you love. Um, You mentioned taking some time to decompress, uh, fill up that tank, fill Mm -hmm. that tank back up once you get to empty. Where does physical health fall in to that that realm, that spectrum of self-care? Physical health (laughs) is probably the greatest challenge that most of the caregivers have because they're so exhausted. And yet, for me, that's the prime place of respite. When a person is able to relieve the individual, I've had caregivers to say, you know what, Rhonda, I appreciate this caregiver program because at least now, two or three days a week, I can go back to the gym. Mm -hmm. And that's literally what they started doing. I had a lady, her husband, um, he, he had dementia and Parkinson's. And her biggest thing was not only getting with the ladies for lunch on Friday, but she was doing a walking program through the Y. And it was like, okay, I felt good that she could just be able to step away and re-engage with the people that mean much. I'm sure there's got to be some sort of guilt. I was wondering, do you get pushback when you say, hey, you got to take time for yourself because... I'm sure a lot of people are reluctant to do that or to say, hey, you know, you got to you got to focus on your health, too. Now you're just adding to their plate. It's it's the way that it's done, though, because I literally target the caregiver from the health. Mm. Once I gather what's going on in the care recipient. Oh, OK, now tell me about you. And they're like, what do you mean? I haven't had <laughs> enough used time. To that question. You know, and I say, no. What physical challenges or medical challenges do you have? And so when they begin to break it down, it's like, okay, so what did the doctor tell you? Well, the doctor don't know. They told me I needed to walk more, but I can't leave the house. Okay, what else did the doctor tell you? Because I need for them to hear what they're saying so that when they open that door for me, I can walk right on through, and it's not me. Mm-hmm. It's them opening up their reality of, okay, I really do need to do self-care. And that stepping away, I use the analogy uh, that I've heard years ago about people in the hospital. Let's <laughs> think about my mother. So she's she ringing for the nurse. I wish she'd come home. Ring for the nurse. You got to wait. There's nothing wrong with the wait of saying, to your loved one, I'll be there in just a minute. It's not a nine one one fire. Yeah, 
And that's it, hard to learn. And it's, it, it's, it's very, very true. It, it is. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, and so it's the same thing as we get older. It's like you don't say you're in pain. You don't say you have a headache. You just say, okay, I'll be right there. And so when people hear the right there, quick trip, we're instantly there. Mm -hmm. When it's no, no, there's a wait. And we have to get accustomed to if they wanted something to eat. Part of the uh, continuous verbiage of dementia Alzheimer's is cueing about, did I take my medication? Five minutes later. Did you give me my medication? You didn't give me my medication. Three minutes later, and it's ongoing. Same way with the eating. Mm -hmm. The key is, you know what? Let me finish doing what I'm doing, and I will get you something to eat. It really doesn't matter if they've already eaten, because they don't remember. Sure. So just having them to, you know what? Let me give you this crossword book or something that occupies their time, and then I'll fix you something to eat because it, they're already distracted, mm -hmm. and they're going to be distracted. So you are allowing yourself time for rest or any other thing that will help you get the respite where you can. Um, I share with a lot of people about bathing. You know, sometimes just being in the bathroom, close that door. When you close the door to the bathroom, everybody on the other side know that you may be in there for a while. I, I feel like a lot of a caregiver's schedule is based on who they're caregiving for, their mm -hmm. schedule. They've got doctor's appointments, they've got specialty appointments, stuff like that. But how often do you see that it gets overlooked of just the normal routine health care checkups of the caregiver themselves. Majority of the time, like uh, 60%. But it's interesting that you brought that to light because as of late, um, I think it might have been even yesterday that I heard on the news that more people are utilizing the video chats and online doctors and that they're really trying to get more access to rural communities. Mm. So with the pandemic that we've been experiencing in 2020 and into 2021, um, I've, I thought it was very interesting that more of the older population have been utilizing. So with that, the caregiver, a lot of my caregivers were strategic in scheduling their own appointments around the time that their loved ones. So they leave from whether it was the loved one's appointment first and then go to their own. Mm -hmm. Just group them together to save that trip. Exactly. Um, and yet that, that video doctors being able to online nurses and, and have that ability to check in with the doctor mm -hmm. through video, doctor, whatever they're called. Teledoc. Teledoc and telenurse have been one of the most amazing things from quite a few of my caregivers. One thing that people don't talk a lot about when you talk about caregiving is the financial aspect Ooh. of now you're in charge of either all the finances, if it was your spouse, 
or someone else's finances as well as your own. So you're doing double the amount of work. That can absolutely it be It can absolutely be overwhelming. One that takes over the finances, the accountability and stress level. I haven't even touched on the itemized areas, but the stress level mm-hmm. of the accountability of doing the right thing on the behalf of the parent. Um, knowing that the posture of all the rest of the siblings are depending upon you. Now, if you're single, it would be okay somewhat. But when you're married with children, it's inclusive of the spouse of the financial barrier. Mm -hmm. Because it's a lot. I can't even... uh, I am not going to try to make it out to be something that's not daunting because it is life insurance policy, spin downs, um, whether the house is in the the parent's name in conjunction with the child's name, um, just IRAs, all those different things that are coupled can be so Mm, maybe the the finance need to be divided up too, but it takes it, it's stressful. I've been trying not to use that word, <laughs> but it's stressful. And I hope that as generations to come, as caregivers, we do a better job of educating our adult children as to the financial aspect of caregiving so that when it's their turn to care for, they already know. Everything is already completed so that their journey is a little less daunting than what my journey is or my spouse's journey or any other individual who's in that seat. And it comes through communication. And if we don't effectively communicate and not place ourselves in a position of, well, the kids want to understand this. And the kids don't care. The kids want to make the best informed decision for your health care that they can make. But they need to have all the information, how you like things to go. Um, it, it, It just presents a better movement. It doesn't change the aspects of moving because you're getting older, the, the emotional ties, the the behavior, the, all those other things. But if everything is laid out to the best of our ability so that the children don't have to experience the journey I want, that's a lot easier. And it's, a, it's, stress, it's stressful, but it's not as stressful because mm-hmm. that is your loved one. Mm-hmm. Exactly, yeah. I'm sorry. That that right there just touched on a, a spot for me. Yeah. Well, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, a lot of people are so, they just don't want to talk about their finances. Very You know, private. that's one thing. Private, yeah. That's one thing that is almost ingrained in us. You know, you don't ask how much someone makes a year, how much they spend a year. That's, and, you know, and the, that's something you got to ask when you're in that position. And it'd be a lot easier. Right. If yeah, you it's told not something them. that, you, you know, don't talk about it so it won't happen. It's gonna. It's That's gonna, gone. Yeah. That's gone. It's all about empowerment. 
Mm. And and that's one of the like things that. I'm big on with the caregivers and their loved ones. Um, with my fall prevention group, a matter of balance, I share with the individuals, it talks about you don't want to say anything about the fall or the slip down to the floor, which is considered a fall, to your adult child because you feel they're going to put you in a nursing home. Mm. Well, let's flip the script. By you being empowered to say, look here, yes, I did fall. Uh, it wasn't a direct fall. I just missed the chair. I am trying to stay in my home for as long as it's safely possible. So I want to keep the lines of communication be, you know, open so that you know what's going on. So when I go to the doctor and the doctor says, how many falls have you had? Because according to your x-rays, you've had several. That's alarming. Alarming, and the child is like, so you have had all these falls and you didn't say anything? Mm -hmm. Well, I didn't want to bother you. Well, now we're bothered. (laughs) So It's already an issue now. We can't can't be proactive. We're being reactive. And the care recipients are like, well, I don't want to be placed in a nursing home. Where are you? You are on a fast track to one when you don't utilize your voice. You're empowered to say, look, I want to be here for as long as safely possible. Uh, my vision is not the same as it used to be. So can you put some uh, highlighted markers or, or get in touch with Envision? It's another resource in the community that can mark different things to help me stay in place long. It really is about empowering people and changing our mindset about how we deem if this happens, it means I'm going into a nursing facility. We have to be proactive versus reactive. We have mm-hmm. to be. Absolutely. That's a good point. So, Ronga, we do ask all of our podcast guests this. The name of our podcast is obviously Aging is Living. What does that mean to you? Living your best life means as we age, and I heard you, aging is living. So as we age, taking in consideration that things are ever changing and we have to embrace not only the physical changes that our bodies go through, environmental changes, and mental and behavioral changes. I think that if we learn how to embrace change as it comes, we can live a better life as we age. Yeah. Embracing change. Mm -hmm. I like that. That's especially these days. Mm. I think since COVID, if we would have asked that question two, three years ago, a lot of people would have had a lot different answers than they have here today because of what's happened. <laughs> and even then, we, we, we didn't have a choice but to embrace change. Mm-hmm. We were uncomfortable. We dealt with family in a different way. We're so used to escaping from that we had to embrace two. Mm. <laughs> Absolutely. You yeah. know, so it, it really gave us uh, a glimpse of what we really need to do is embrace the change as we age. Yeah. Absolutely. Thank you so much for Rhonda and Anne for being here today. We really enjoyed your unique experience, Anne, um, and you telling us everything about your own caregiving experience. And thank you, Rhonda, for your professional expertise.
And to all you caregivers listening out there, I want you to have a happy and healthy National Caregiver Month. From all of us at Central Plains Area Agency on Aging, aging is living and living is a wonderful thing.